0: In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, the 101 of goat farming. The relatively easy and low operating cost for goats rearing makes this trade very lucrative. But like any other commodity, you'll need to know the ropes.
1: The wine industry has become more competitive than ever before. In this episode, Danielle Rousseau, the functional head of agriculture at NetBank's Relationship Channels, Unpacks how technology and artificial intelligence is changing the wine industry.
0: This week's hashtag Soil Sister, powered by Foodform Zanzi and Corteva AgriScience, is Limpopo vegetable farmer Mohadi Manamela. Her agribusiness also teaches farmers about sustainability.
1: Agricultural economist Dr. Quibus Loebscher joins us to discuss the impact of the dilapidated Free State roads on farmers.
0: Our book of the week, Leader Shift by John C. Maxwell. The author shares 11 shifts he made over the course of his leadership career, including shifting his mind from ladder climbing to ladder building.
1: And our farmer tip of the week comes from Northwest subsistence farmer, now a commercial producer, Gustav Tekiso.
2: This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and
0: agripreneurs. Hey Mzanzi, welcome to episode 72 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast, Called farmers inside track i'm your host dawn numdu the editor for audience and engagement at food form zanzi
1: and i'm Duncan masua and thank you for tuning in to another episode of south africa's most downloaded farmers podcast
0: first up how to become a successful goat farmer there seems to be a huge domestic demand for goat meat and cheese Journalist Donna van Eeden chats to Northwest goat farmer, Neo Leburu. She has been farming with goats for more than a decade now. Hello Neo, thanks so much for taking the time to be here and to share your knowledge with us. Firstly, will you please introduce yourself, tell me a bit about you and how you started farming with the goats and a bit about your business.
3: Hi Donna, I'm Neo Leburu, a young female farmer from Ghanisa, a small village in Northwest in under the Ruth District.
0: Can you also tell me a bit more about the steps you took to start setting up a goat farm?
3: I started my farming journey over a decade ago. I was still in high school when my mother was gifted with one goat. Fortunately, it blessed us with two more. In that moment, I told my mom that maybe it is time that we also start having our own livestock because I grew up in the villages, everyone around us had livestock. So my mom had me and we decided to start our own small livestock. to this day, I never looked back. I went to a facility to study, completed my study. Worked for some years before I decided to go into farming full-time. In 2016, I handed in my resignation letter and started doing farming full-time. My goal was to breed quality burry goats and also supply and sell goat products. This year, I started a project that consists of five beautiful young ladies named Mosadi Mokala. We specialize in goat meat. We will later on add more products related to goats. We hosted a pop-up market this Easter. We're selling goat meat, both raw and cooked meat, and the event was a success. It has always been a dream for me to do good farming. I just wanted to focus on good farming, but currently I have poultry also, and we have sheep and cattle, but my main thing is good farming. When I started, I was still in high school, so my mother was their caretaker while I was still studying. When I started working, I did it part-time. We hired a head boy that I paid from my salary. I also bought feed and medication from my own pocket. By the time I decided to resign from my work to come and do farming full time, I opened a side hustle that will help me maintain them. We also use the land that I inherited from my grandfather. He used to farm crops. So it's a communal land, not a farm. So we fenced it around and placed our livestock there. So all other things like medication, feed, and payment for our head boy. We work hand in hand with my mother to take care of all the expenses. I have a mentor who is mentoring me into becoming a commercial farmer. Currently I'm still a small scale farmer, but with his help, hopefully I'll soon be going commercial. So currently I'm still learning as experience comes with time.
0: What has been the most difficult part of goat farming for
3: you so far? Challenges are everywhere. I cannot say it is easy, it is not easy, I don't want to lie, but I strive to be the best. Challenges are there, especially being a female in a male-dominated industry, it's quite challenging. There are things that I cannot do on my own that I need help with. When I work around the farm, there are some heavy duties that I'd ask help from my head boy to help with. But most of the time we do things with my mom, she helps me quite a lot. Other challenges would be being looked down because you are a female in a male-dominated industry. I remember before I got recognition from the SABC with their interview that they did with me last year, I was struggling to get a mentor. Most people that I would ask to mentor me wouldn't take me serious because maybe I was young and I was also a female, so I was really struggling with that. When you raise facts or come up with ideas, yours are being put aside because you are a female. But other than that, I always make sure I do my best and I excel in what I do.
0: And tell us a bit more about what you love most about goat farming. And what does a typical day look like for you as a goat farmer?
3: The beautiful part about all of this is that I'm doing something that I love, something that I'm passionate about. So at times I don't even notice the workload that comes with doing good farming. I do a lot of runarounds, especially when my head boy is not around when I am the one who has to take care of everything there by the farm. We also have water problems. At times I have to carry water from home to the farm and fill 1,000 liters Jojo tank. So at times I would go there and not find the head boy around. And that would mean I have to do all that on my own. I do enjoy all the hardships that comes with it. Taking care of my babies is something that I enjoy quite a lot. Another challenging thing is the breeding. When I started, I did not start with the correct breeding. Besides water challenges being my daily struggle, I also at times struggle with funds because since COVID, I experience a bit of problems on my side hustle. Sometimes I'd fail to vaccinate in time due to not having money to buy medication on time. Just one of those challenges. And another thing is that I'm unable to correct my breeding as I'm unable to buy the correct pork stud. Reason being is that my fencing is not done correctly. It would be very useless to buy a quality rim. Reason being would be that I'm not farming intensively. So... The goats have to go and graze by the grazing side, So they'll be meeting with other rams that are not of quality breed. So that would mean I'd be running a loss. And that would mean I won't get 100% quality breed. One of my biggest challenges. But I'm getting there. It takes time. So I'm hoping for the best at all times.
1: Thanks, Donna. Wow, Neeluburu. We salute you. What a wealth of knowledge, eh? Next up, the wine industry has become more competitive than ever before. Daniel Rousseau, functional head of agriculture at NetBank's Relationship Channels, unpacks how technology and artificial intelligence is changing the wine industry game. Daniel, thank you for joining us. Now, the wine industry is one of the oldest in the world. How would you say is technology and
4: artificial intelligence changing the game? The wine industry has become more competitive than ever before. Winemakers have to fight for their rightful place by doing things differently than what the competition does. The wine industry not only compete against other wine countries, but also against other highly profitable industries such as an example citrus and fruit. They compete for water, they compete for land. And I believe you can only remain competitive by embracing technology at all stages in your business from inputs to processing to marketing and finally the sales environment. We see a lot of changes in the consumer behavior in terms of what they like and how they buy. If we want to capture that market, we need to understand the consumer and his or her buying patterns. I think we can agree that nothing will ever replace the human touch. That makes winemaking unique compared to other industries, but they can make use of technology to streamline their outputs. There are technologies available that analyze and predict consumer trends by harvesting big data, as an example. This will determine which grapes to plant in future to satisfy that consumer needs. There is now even an app that analyzes wine labels to understand what drives consumers to make a certain purchase. We've also seen the acceleration to e-commerce wrought on by the COVID-19 pandemic and the bans on local alcohol sales. We now see huge strides in the development of websites, even the collection and maintenance of consumer databases and personalization of consumer interactions. In South Africa, we've seen online wine sellers reporting triple digit sales and growth in 2020. I believe if you look at what's happening in other countries that this is just the tip of the iceberg and the potential for growth is staggering to say the least. Do you see robotics as an integral part of farmers' future? The wine industry has become more competitive than ever before, not only competing against other wine industries in the old world, in the new world, especially New Zealand and Australia but also against other industries, competing for water, competing for land, based on profitability, especially in the Western Cape, competing against the very profitable citrus industry. We acknowledge the fact that nothing will ever replace the human touch within the industry. They say winemaking is an art, but we will see, and I think it's an international trend, not only in the wine industry, but in all other industries, where you see the increased use of robotics, for quality purposes, for profitability purposes, I think we will see a lot more mechanization in the production process. Again, based on profitability, labor is quite expensive. And by making use of mechanization, you can harvest 24 hours a day if you want. You can use the same harvester you know, for pruning purposes. So I think that will definitely see an increase in future. As we see a lot more consolidation in the industry, a lot more working together partnerships, we will see a lot more mechanization as well. And of course, if you take into account um, drone technology that we have, by making use of drones to increase the quality of the grapes, your better quality of wine. I think that's a trend that also will continue in future. And then obviously in the winemaking process as well, you will see as we move to lower alcohol wines, processes in place and technology in place that we can use to make even zero alcohol wines. I think that is the technology and the robotics that you will see in the industry, not only to remain relevant, but also then to increase profitability.
1: Are there any other out-of-the-box innovations that have perhaps
4: caught your eye? The wine industry has been struggling with profitability for a number of years now. And the only way to survive is by reducing cost on the one side and also increase income on the other side. We've seen as an example, a sharp increase in minimum wages the last two to three years, making it extremely difficult for farmers and wineries to remain profitable, as labor is one of the biggest components of your cost structure. I believe as a result of this, we will see an increase in mechanization, especially on the harvesting and pruning side of the business. We will also see increased use of drone technology that can be used for more precise pest control and also to gather data around the health status of your vineyards and even to predict yields and the quality of the grapes. Um, In the winery itself, there are now wine processing tools that improve your harvesting, the sorting, the settling and filtration that can make your life as a winemaker much easier. We see alcohol-free wines is a very big thing now. And it's made possible by vacuum distilling at low temperatures after fermentation to retain all the flavors, eliminating all but a fraction of your alcohol. So we see a very big trend now in terms of moving to low alcohol wines and even zero alcohol wines. So it's important to adopt to that um, technology. I don't think technology and robotics um, should be seen as a threat. It is actually essential for growth and I believe that the ideal solution is a blend of human and tech. After all, wine has always been about science and about art.
0: Thanks for joining us, Daniel Rousseau, Functional Head of Agriculture at Nedbank's Relationship Channels. On to other news here on Farmers Inside Track. The Free State Department of Police, Roads and Transport wasted a shocking 1.138 billion rand to, among others, fix the province's dilapidated roads. Agricultural economist Dr. Kubas Lopesha addresses the impact of these dilapidated roads on farmers' pockets, the labor force on farms, and offers some solutions to this problem. Dr. Loebscher, how does dilapidated roads negatively impact the agri-sector? And how much does the industry lose because of poor road management?
5: It's bad news in the sense that, as you rightfully said, that roads are the logistics, it's the connecting, it's the vein of taking produce to the market. And with the state of the roads in many instances, and especially the rural areas, it will have a bearing in terms of getting the harvest in, in time. But also concern is that in some of the rural areas, these people are dependent on staple food and that will reach them at a higher price. It's a very state of where the roads currently is and one should actually demand speedy recovery and actually a plan to restructure the logistics in South Africa.
0: And what impact does poor road maintenance have on the economy and the price of the food basket?
5: All the proclaimed roads are the responsibility of different levels of the government and we know it's not maintained in terms of towns, cities, etc. Then the so-called secondary roads, all of those in a very, very bad state. Now, farmers are willing to prepare. They're willing to put their effort in and even give diesel or whatever the case may be. But they're not allowed to do that because then you have the government is responsible. Should anything on the road happen like a you strike a pothole as an accident, it becomes the legal responsibility of the authorities per se. I'm aware of where farmers try to do that, but they couldn't get the necessary permission to do that. It's up to the secondary road. it's a farmer's responsibility, and these can be well-maintained. So sometimes these roads are in a better state than the secondary road that you have to take from there to the market or whatever the case may be.
0: Dr. Loopsche, a few years back, trains were running around the minute. How would reviving the rail sector help farmers make sure their produce reaches the markets on time without any loss of any kind?
5: It's a sad day in our country that the total transportation network has totally collapsed so we know that just commuters how they suffer to get to work etc with strikes and and corruption and sabotage etc so it's a sad case but one must remember that in south africa farmers are in the rural area and they need quick and secure access to markets and it would have been fantastic if we had a railway reliable enough to take the produce to the market especially like staple maize wheat sunflower and even livestock. But that's not going to happen in the foreseeable future, but ultimately one can hope that there will be a master plan to upgrade the transportation network in South Africa because everything is under pressure. Big trucks using the highways, etc. It's a bad state and farmers, they try to do better with transportation, but it costs them an arm and a leg. Importantly is that one must remember that a farmer is a price taker. If there's any increase in the cost of transportation, it's for its own account. Whilst on the other hand, if that happened to increase costs beyond the farm gate, it's normally passed on to the consumer. So my expectation is that over the long term, this will add to the cost of the food basket, especially for the poorer people.
0: Thanks again for joining us, agricultural economist Dr. Corbus Loebshire.
6: Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's Grain-Filled Chickens, proudly South African and mouthwateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens Or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land.
1: Now, for our book of the week, as chosen by our farmers. This week, we look at a book titled Leadership by John C. Maxwell. In the book, the author shares 11 shifts he made over the course of his leadership career, including shifting his mind from ladder climbing to ladder building. Our Sinilese citizen journalist Lunga Jakuja reviewed this book.
6: Hey, Dawn and Duncan. This week, we are reading Leadership by John C. Maxwell. This book is all about making changes in our leadership worldview. Good leaders adapt, they shift, and it's vital to grasp this concept early in your career. The ability to change quickly has never been more crucial. What stood out for me in this book is the author's drive for lifelong learning, unlearning, and relearning. The world is changing at a rapid pace and the lessons we were taught in school will most likely be outdated by the time our student loans are paid off. The author shares 11 shifts he made over the course of his leadership career. One of the shifts he shares is from ladder climbing to ladder building. Each shift requires you to change the way you think, act, lead, so that you can become successful in a world that never remains the same. It's an easy read that I will definitely recommend.
0: Thanks, Lunga Chakucha. Remember you can email info at
2: if you want to suggest the next book of the week. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Foodformzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.
0: You're tuned in to Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. Powered by Corteva Agri-Science, we are now introducing you to an extraordinary woman farmer participating in a year-long blended Development Program at the Gibbs Business School. This week, we meet Limpopo vegetable farmer Mohadi Manamela. Her agribusiness also teaches farmers across the country how to farm sustainably. Mohadi, where and how did your farming journey
2: start? My farming journey started in Limpopo, where I come from, at a village called Ahari. I grew up in a village in a farming area. So I grew up in a family of farming. We've been farming in my family for years. I started since I could be able to participate in the farming activities from feeding the chickens, feeding the pigs, washing the sty. My parents made sure that we understand that farming is about hard work. It's about being hands-on. I took over the farm when I was 20. I'm now 33. So it has been 13 years of working hands-on on on the farm, obviously taking breaks to study in between. Farming is unpredictable. I mean, we rely mostly on nature and you can never be sure that it's going to rain or it's not going to rain. We have experienced droughts where we had to get to a point where buying feeds for animals and not let them graze because there was no grass and also we wanted to avoid overgrazing. As an environmentalist, um, it's something that I'm against overgrazing because it affects the soil, it affects the plants growing further. So we got to a point where we had to buy feeds for our animals, making it a bit expensive to raise the animals. That's farming. It is unpredictable because we rely mostly on nature.
0: And then finally, we can't let you go without asking you if you have any advice
2: to other women entering the farming arena. They must be prepared to work. Farming is a lot of work, but farming is enjoyable. I mean, there is a lot of benefits in farming and growing your own food, ensuring food security. So there's a lot of opportunities for women as well. They must just be prepared to work. And also they must ask questions, seek mentorship where it's possible. Ask nearby farmers, ask anyone, ask questions from people who have experience in farming and yeah, you're about to succeed if you do that.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Lampopo vegetable farmer, Mohadi Manamela.
1: Thanks Mohadi Manamela. I can't wait to hear who's next on our Soil Sisters campaign, powered by Koteva Agriscience. Now remember to stay tuned for our Farmer's Tip of the Week from Northwest farmer, Gustav Tekiso. But now, onto a much lighter note. Henrico Samson transitioned from apprentice tapenaki chef to opening his own sushi takeout business, wait for it, in his garage at his pal home in the Western Cape. This week he shares his secret to the best sushi
2: in Umzanzi. This ingredient, the togarashi spice, contains different types of peppers, like red chili peppers, red corns, and dried peppers. That's already inside this ingredient.
0: You can use it for Malay curries. You can use it to make rooty, for that rooty curry. You can use it to make a spicy sauce with it. And you can even put it on top of your egg to bring out the flavor more. The togarashi spice, you can even use it for your stews. Because the Africans, they love the stews. Carrot stew, bean stew, cold stew, rice. Cape Malays, Caribans. The spice is so versatile. You can use it basically anywhere. You can even put it in your pepper sauce with your steak. You can put your togarashi, Japanese spice, on top. It's very, very nice. Thanks, sushi chef Enrico Samson. Be sure to check out his interview and recipe on foodformzanzi.co.za.
6: Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that an ideal worth preserving. It's super fresh, it's super soft, and it makes any meal a treat. It's Super Sure bread and Super Sure flour. A proud member of the VKB group. From breakfast to lunch and even birthday cakes, Super Sure makes the whole family smile. Find Super Sure on Facebook or visit vkb.co.za for more info. VKB, for the love of the land.
1: We've just about reached the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track episode. But before we let you go, our farmer tip of the week comes from Northwest farmer Gustav Tequiso. Gustav took the plunge and grew his father's farming enterprise from subsistence to a larger scale. They now operate on three farms in different parts of the Northwest Province.
7: My tip is about animal identification. We have ways to identify our animals small and large stock there's three methods of identifying your animal which number one is hot iron burning on the skin freeze burning or tattoo mark this is the three ways whereby we can identify our animals and most important things to keep in mind when you identify your animals are as follows please register your identification or registration identity of your animal or livestock you will need your initials say names and your ID to do so. Please note that do not identify animals with initials that you did not register. Make sure that animals that you buy are identified in two weeks. And animals that you sell, please make sure that they are identified.
0: And Gustav Dekiso's Farmer Tip of the Week brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track. Proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmer's an agriculturalist to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzansi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yes, and also remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track podcast is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And also on foodformzanzi.co.za.
0: From me, Don Numdu, Duncan Masiwa, contributors Donna van Eden, Lutando Ngakani, Lunga Jakuja, and the rest of the Food Foodform Zanzi team, have a great week and please let's continue to keep each other safe during the COVID 19 pandemic.
8: Corteva is in it for farmers, for good. As a company solely focused on agriculture, we understand the impact of climatic and soil diversity, the unique requirements of each region, each farmer, each crop, and the need for sustainability. To this, we apply our global mind. With 5,000 researchers in more than 130 countries, ensuring farmers of advanced seed technology and guarding growing investments through innovative crop protection. Local investment includes research facilities on par with the best in the world and the largest private insectary in Africa. Advanced genetic breeding is combined with intense trials, testing and refinement in different bioclimatic zones to bring forth the best in-class products. Beyond in-seed value, our on-seed applied technology on farm crop protection, digital and agronomic solutions are all designed to optimize farmers' productivity, profitability and sustainability. Because by being wholly devoted to agriculture, we have a deeper understanding of farming, the needs of our farmers, and the country's need for farmers. This is what drives our researchers to find new avenues for sustainable growth. It is the reason for having state-of-the-art seed production technology on home ground. Our motivation for creating effective locally proven solutions to protect land and crops with care for the future. This is the world of kurteva in South Africa. Growing progress, enriching lives, now and for generations to come. Korteva, keep growing.
2: You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Foodform Zansi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.